Hey church, how are we this morning? That's awesome. So glad to have you. Um, let's pray real quick. Ask God to be with us. Lord, um, I want to first sort of confess and admit that I have been griping that it's raining on Sunday. Um, it seems like, God, I, I really can't figure out why people would come when it's raining and attendance goes down and Lord, I've been frustrated. Then I walked up and saw all the pollen uh, flowing in a stream in front of the church, and I realized, okay, maybe pollen. But God, I just, right now, even with kind of the, uh, the, the last service, God, I recognize that for whatever reason that it's raining, God, I understand that the people that are here right now are here with intent. They didn't accidentally come. Um, they had to make a decision to show up in the rain. And so, Lord, like last hour, God, I felt like you spoke incredibly clear and incredibly loud, um, not, not because of the words that will come out of my mouth. God, I just believe you're with us this morning uh, in the very same way I know you're with us because I hear the rain on the roof right now. So, Lord, we acknowledge as a group, as a body, as, as a family this morning that you're with us, that it's no accident that we're here. And so, Lord, because of that, God, we're going to go ahead and in advance just let you know that we're going to be open and receptive. God, help us with that. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts, God, to do and to act and be led by you today. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, welcome, everyone. So glad to have you guys this morning. We've had uh, an amazing day so far. Um, Really, really glad you're here. Uh, If you're new with us, uh, you're entering into like part uh, D in a movie that goes through E. Uh, we're in a series called Running with the Giants. So just to catch you up, uh, what we've done in this series, we've taken a passage from Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 that we've basically looked at some Old Testament, mostly Old Testament, I think all of them a bit Old Testament, heroes of the faith. Scripture says that they are a great cloud of witnesses. That's what the Bible says in this verse, that the, the, the great cloud of witnesses who've gone before us are basically in the stands cheering us on, hoping that we would go further with God, connect further with God. For some of you today, I'm, I'm sure they're cheering you on that you might engage God for the first time as he's been engaging you. For some of you, I'm sure they're cheering us on to like specifically maybe take some faith step today do something, stop something, adjust something, I don't know. But we've been taking these characters sort of out of the Bible and pretending that we could walk a lap with them and ask them and listen to what they would have to say to advise us. Today we're going to look at a guy that, not different than all the other people, he had faith uh, like all the others, and I realized that, man, every person we pulled out of the stands, every character we've talked about has had faith, and it reminds me that, like, Scripture says that only really one thing pleases God, and that's faith. Scripture says faith pleases God. So however you came this morning, as we hear the rain on the roof, know this. God wants to grow your belief and trust in him. So we're going to look at this guy, Elijah. We're going to call him down out of the stands. We're going to jog a lot with this guy today. And what I, what, what I understand about this guy, and, and I've kind of uh, used the word ridiculous today about this guy because he had ridiculous faith different than maybe some of the others faith this guy's faith was ridiculous now when I say ridiculous because we're in modern cultural times you know that I don't mean like he's a dorker he's stupid right 
Ridiculous meaning like, dude, this guy was on fire, ridiculous faith. Kind of like back in the day when you used to say, you know, like, man, that is bad. That, was, that meant like someone was really bad, like not good bad. But nowadays, someone rolls up, you got a buddy, rolls up in a new hot, awesome, I don't know, car or Jeep. Mine, mine would be like the new 2018 Jeep Wranglers that just came out. All the bodies different, all kind of new stuff. I've watched hours of like videos of all the cool new stuff on them. I could tell you everything about them. I won't. Uh, but if he rolled up in a Jeep Wrangler Rubicon, I would say, whoa, that thing is bad. I, you would know, I would say, that's good. Like if someone said, oh my gosh, man, that's sick. Right? You know I'm not talking about the person's physically sick, but sick meaning like that's good, that's sick, right, awesome. So this guy had ridiculous faith, faith right? So to kind of warm things up, I know it's a little bit wet and dreary and you guys are still wiping sleepy out of your eyes. Lean over to someone next to you and say, this guy's faith was, and go, ridiculous, man. All right? Lean over to somebody and do that right now. Really? Go, go ahead. All right? And you got to, like, get into it. Like, now, to the, to the person you thought of less and was your, is your second choice, lean over to them and say, man, this person's faith was ridiculous. Okay? <laughs> go ahead. Just do that real quick. Second place person. Okay. All right. So, now that we got that cleared up, this guy had ridiculous faith. All right, let me give you a little background on this guy, and then I'm going to give you a little context about what was going on as I lead into the passage. So here's some background. So Elijah, not the guy we're talking about today. We're going to talk about Elisha, but Elijah was like the prophet that came before Elisha. Elisha thought Elijah was awesome, and Elijah was an amazing prophet of God, and Elisha should look up to him because, man, God's hand was all over Elijah. So Elisha who was mentored by Elijah, looked up to this, this guy as a godly man. And he thought so much of, Elisha thought so much of Elijah that he literally asked God that God would give himself a portion, a double portion of God's anointing. That was kind of like God's mojo on a guy. Like, hey, I'm going to work through this guy because he's like obeying me. He ain't perfect. He doesn't have it all together, but he's going to do what I say. So I'm going to like give him like special mojo to get the job done for what I want to do in his life. So Elisha, the guy we're talking about today, asked for a double portion of that, like what God was doing in Elijah's life. So a little bit more about Elisha. He studied under Elijah. He studied and learned scriptures. Uh, Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha, something that's really cool about him. He had more recorded miracles in the Bible more than anybody else excluding Jesus. So when he asked for a double portion, he got it. So today as we look at this, we're going to look at this guy and recognize that he uh, really, although we, we, you've, I've already told you that he did amazing miracles, he was an ordinary guy. Like literally like just, uh, he was like a nobody. He wasn't uh, from some priestly, you know, uh, he wasn't heir of anybody special, right? No priest in his lineage. Uh, his family were farmers. He'd been farming all his life. He knew how to plow is what he knew how to do. Um, he, he never had enlisted in any kind of monkhood stuff. He wasn't like a spiritual guy. He wasn't sitting down going like, oh, anywhere in the wilderness. He was just farming. So essentially God just shows up in this, this ordinary guy's life and calls him to go with God and uh, make a difference in the, in, in the world, have impact. So that's sort of the background on this guy. Now, a little context. 
Um, Elisha lived in the ninth century. That's not nine centuries before Christ. And this was at the time when Israel was divided. Like they were divided and there was great tension amongst them. You had people that were really, really worshiping uh, a false god, a, a god, a prophet of Baal. And you had those who were still wanting to follow the true living God. And there was a lot of tension. So God raises up Elisha, the guy we're talking about today, and he does something extraordinary through his life. So now, got background, context out of the way. You guys are up on what's going on. If you got your Bibles, look in 1 Kings chapter 19. That's probably, I said this morning, uh, well, I just turned to it just like that. I just thumbed through and just found it. So go that much in your Bible. Everybody read, that's like, that's like um, 306 pages, okay? So that's where it's at in the Bible, about 306 pages in. I closed mine because I printed my notes bigger where I could see them, okay? So you look look confused right now. So find that in your Bible. It's in the Old Testament. If you do not have a Bible, we'll shut up on screens. And if you do not have a Bible and you want to have one, wave at us, we'll get you one. All right, Elijah, excuse me, 1 Kings chapter 19. So, verse 19. So Elijah, that's the older one, went from there and found Elisha. That's our guy today, son of Saphat. Uh, and where was he? He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, all right? That's not 12 eggs with yokes. That's like beasts, and he's plowing them, working the field, the family farm. And it says he himself was driving the 12th pair. That's like he just leaned back, shifting gears, driving the 12th pair. That's how I visualize it, but he wasn't shifting. They were like following his oxen down row after row after row, preparing for the crops. And it says, Elisha then left his oxen, excuse me, Elisha, Elijah, it's a whole lot of Elishas and Elijahs. I'm going to try to be sane through this, all right? So um, so he's driving the oxen, and Elijah went up to him. That's the older dude, the original prophet. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he, he said, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Well, you got him fired up. You kind of just said, here's the uh, in- invitation to come on in. And he was ready to go all in. So he took his yoke of oxen. This is what Elisha does now. Uh, he goes back to his family. He says and kisses goodbye. He takes his yoke of oxen and he slaughters them. And he burns the plowing equipment that used that were used with the oxen to cook the meat and give it to the people and they ate it. And then it says, then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now, that's just the beginning of a ridiculous story. It really is. It's, it's kind of just crazy that out of thin air, uh, the guy shows up, drops a, like a, a jacket, a cloak on Elijah, Elisha, and he goes. So what I want to do is I want to just, I want to walk back through that passage sort of break it down, not for like intellectual knowledge sake, but for application sake. So meaning what could that passage happen to apply? What could it mean to us today? And this is where I really, I hope that you would fall in love with God's word based off stories and passages like this, because they are for real. Like in this story, although we read it and you may not completely have wrapped your brains around what just happened, what just happened was crazy because a dude just stepped out in ridiculous faith. So, let's break it down. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, and we're going to walk back through it. It says, Elisha 
was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12 pair. Now, here's what, here's what I find fascinating with this. Um, I find that because he goes off and leaves what he was doing, it just reminds me that he's been doing this for a long time. He grew up a farmer. So imagine this guy and the comfort level he has with doing what he's been doing for a long time. He comes from generations of farmers. He's the farm boy. His daddy raised him to know how to farm behind oxen. Notice he's driving the 12th pair, right? He's just cruising, sounds like to me. So he's got this down. But think about the monotony of this. You're, you're, you're a guy that God wants to use, is going to use, but up until that moment where the original prophet shows up and maybe waves his magic wand, gives you a cloak, we'll talk about that in just a second, he's, flou- he's plowing a field of oxen. Just think about this. Scenery doesn't change day after day for this guy. <laughs> I mean, every day he's seeing the same different rows back and forth, and then you're bending over, you're hanging, and these oxen are pulling you, and you look up and you're like, whoop, that's the same smell. That's the same view. I, I, in case you don't have the view of that, that that's kind of what that looks like. I'm just helping you today. All right? In case you didn't know how monotonous that would be, now you know. Every day you're smelling the same sense. You're looking up and you're looking at the rear end, the behind, the bootissimo of some cow, oxen, animals. And they do stuff when they're working all day. Okay? You know what I'm saying? So like the stench, the nastiness, like he does this day after day after day after day. Now I'm just kind of relating to our world. I know that every day you're not looking at oxen, right? It doesn't smell that day. It doesn't smell that bad perhaps. But every day you're going to work. And I'm not calling your coworkers the hind end of an oxen, okay? But every day you're going to work. And you're working with the same people. Some of you feel like what you're doing is so monotonous. Like, does this, am I ever going to make a difference? Is this ever going to change? I'm doing the same thing over and over. I'm so tired of it. Right? Maybe you're in sales and you've been selling, you've been selling. You make, you make the, you make the, the sales, you, did, you know, the threshold you need to get to. And then you're like, oh, I got to start over, over again. It's a new month. Right? Maybe you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a parent. And what do you see every day? Diapers, laundry, dishes, and you do it over day, every day. You do it, you're like the same thing over and over. I see butts, and I can't deny. And I wipe them, and they're spry. I'm just free, free and flowing right now. So that was not my notes. A little ADD moment there. Um, so, you're, you know, maybe you're a student and you're studying and you're working hard, but your parents aren't completely paying for college, so you're also paying the bills. And you're like, will this ever end? And I think a lot of us are like that, where we're doing something over and over and over so much so that maybe, just maybe, you found it's pretty easy to lose your passion when all you see is oxen rears, right? You're like, God, is this all that there is to it? Is this life? I'm doing X, Y, or Z, and man, I'm a believer, I'm a follower, and this is just, it just feels like it's going nowhere. So here's the thing. I think there's a quick, easy lesson in this, in that Elisha, he's, he's plowing these fields. He's doing the oxen, but here's the thing. He's being faithful to the task that is at his hand at that moment. And I think that's valuable for all of us because there's going to be times where we need to hear what Scripture says when it says, 
when we're faithful with little, he can trust you with much. So I, I think it's valuable for us, even in the first part of the scripture, where we just realize, wow, this guy's doing the same thing. Remember that prior to God doing what he did in his life, remember where he was. He was doing nothing significant, right? So maybe a word for you is don't quit. Stay in there. Keep doing the daily stuff. Unless God tells you something different, keep doing it because one day it may change and God wants you to be ready for that. So 1 Kings 19, 19, we go on. It says, Elijah, that's the original prophet, went up to him. That's Elisha. And all of a sudden he threw, like he like put the, his cloak or his jacket around him. And then he started taking off. And, 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 and what that means is, and I'm thinking, what does that mean? Well, what it means is, well, first it was made, that jacket basically just out of like fur or animal skin. And what we can grasp out of that, of course, there's got to be something symbolic about that. I'm sure you might have thought, well, that's something symbolic. A prophet shows up and he drops his cloak on the guy and the guy's ready to go with him. So there's obviously something symbolic about that. Um, but what that meant was, is essentially Elijah, the original prophet is saying now what used to cover me is now going to cover you the anointing the God with me who enabled me who strengthened me who helped me I'm now passing the mantle on to you so you've got this like passing the baton from older to younger to someone who's been doing what they've been doing and passing the 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 mantle on to the guy who's going to be the next generational leader and so you have this happening and you see this happening in uh, Elisha's life. And so what I want to do today is I, 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 I left you some notes, some things that I want you to jot these down because I think there's some really powerful principles, some strong principles of faith, some very strong, powerful things that I think we could use and leverage in our life to kind of help us find our way when we feel like God could be leading us to do something. Do we stay? Do we go? How do we interpret this? How, how do I know if God's really communicating to me? So here's the thing. Two principles of following God. First one is this. You don't have to understand fully to obey God immediately. I'm going to say that again because that's good. You don't, have to, you don't have to understand fully to obey God immediately. All right, let me show you in Scripture. 1 Kings 19.20. Elisha then left his oxen. Here's a guy. He didn't have a whole lot to go on. Guy just showed up and said, jacket, peace out, bro. And he's like, is that God? Does that mean it's my time? I've been plowing, smelling stinky butt all the time. And God, is this the moment? Right? So Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. And he said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And he said, he said this, and then I will come with you. Notice, and I know this is going to sound crazy coming from a pastor, he didn't say you had to pray about it. I'm sure he'd probably been doing a whole lot of praying behind that oxen previously. At that moment in time, he doesn't bow the knee and say, God, you know, he's, he didn't have to pray about it. He's already prayed up. He's ready to go. He's been, he's been working it and working it and working it. He's been probably having all these conversations with God, maybe some struggle conversations, maybe some, I'm so tired of looking at what I've been looking at. God, will this ever change? But in that moment, when God shows up through his prophet Elijah, Elisha doesn't have to pray about it. Notice he didn't need to make a list of pros and cons. Anybody ever do that? Make a list of pros and cons? It's funny because my wife and I, the older we get, we make pros and cons lists out of everything. 
right? Hey, we're going to McDonald's or are we going to Burger King? Pros and cons, okay? Chick-fil-A. I mean, it, the older we get, the more maybe skittish we are. That maybe, maybe, maybe when we were younger, our younger selves were just more, had more, uh, maybe not ability, but maybe we, we just weren't worried uh, as much because we were younger. We thought we had so many millions and millions of years to live and to be able to do. And what now, now we're like, uh, turn right. Let's make a two, don't list and list of do's. And, you know what I mean? So here's the thing. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to make a list of pros and cons. Guy shows up. He's like, I'm in. I'm your huckleberry. Let's go. So, and, and I think there's a leadership lesson in this. And, and probably some of you that, that lead business or in companies, I mean, we, we like to uh, do five-year plans, three-year plans. I think every organization I've ever been in, every church I've ever been in, we all went through some strategy process of a three-year planning process, a three-year goal process. Here's what's crazy. I have no clue what God's going to do in three years from now. I have no way of predicting what God's going to do in five years from now. So I think the leadership lesson in this is, yes, plan for the future, but also plan to respond to the voice of God in the present. Right? So what does that mean? Like maybe like get spiritually ready. Maybe, maybe, maybe like when I was in college, the first few years I was the young, dumb college kid, not walking with God, not being serious about anything, dating and dating and dating and just goofing off. And all of a sudden I realized like, hey, there's consequences to, to, to what I've been doing. There are consequences to, to the choices I've been make, making. And although I'm a follower of Christ, I need, I, need to, I need to ditch that way and I need to get my life straightened out or I'm never going to graduate. I'm going to have more baggage and, and more like dumb choices that I'm adding up that are costing me right now. So all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, God, me and you, we're walking. I'm, I'm, I'm a, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be on the straight and narrow the best I can. I'm going to follow you. And all of a sudden, as my life walks with God, as I'm submitting to him, all of a sudden, at that same moment, God brings Christy in my life. And I'm like, shazam. She's a hottie, and she loves Jesus. And woo, right? So all of a sudden, we're thick as thieves. We're dating my wife would not have taken a second look at me had she known me three years prior. Wouldn't happen. So here's the thing. God is strategic. He wants you right now to be getting ready spiritually. Maybe, maybe you need to build some margin in your life. Maybe, maybe you need to quit filling your life with all this other junk so when God t- does come along, you go, you know what, I, I, I can make that happen. Maybe it's a financial decision. Maybe, maybe there's some margin in your finances. I met a girl last hour that she's going on a, on a missions trip to Africa. She's got the finances to do it. She's been saving for it. But all of a sudden, the opportunity arises, and she's ready to go. I don't know what that means. God could show up and say, go, and you may not have any of the margins ready, but you know he's leading, and guess what? In this guy's life, he goes. Elisha's life, he goes. He steps out. And I notice, here's, here's what I notice. Here's... Here's a lesson that I have to relearn that I think I'm learning right now again. God will really give you the details. He, he's going to show up sometimes and strategically not give you enough information. And he knows and expects you to go like, but God, I need more information. God, give me more details. And he's thinking, 
you can't handle the truth, right? Like the movie Few Good Men, we just watched it the other night. My daughter Ashley for the first time. Don't judge me, okay? All right, but we watched it. And there's that, there's that moment in the movie where Jack Nicholson with his voice is like, you can't handle the truth. And Tom Cruise is like, but I want the truth. He's like, you can't handle the truth. I think God's looking at us sometimes. He goes, if I told you every detail, you'd probably bow out now. Because it's adventurous. It is scary. It's, it's, it's gutsy. Following God is crazy at times. Sometimes it's ridiculous. And most of us, God knows in advance, if he gave you everything, you would probably not go. But here's the thing. When you step out to follow God, whether it feels good, whether it feels scary, when all of a sudden you're completely out of your, out of your comfort zone, guess what always happens? We, we, we enact a verse. His power is made perfect in my weakness. And God loves that. He loves when all of a sudden we didn't have all the answers. We step out there. We're having to swim because we're sinking. And all of a sudden God lifts us up and holds us up like he did Peter when Peter tried to walk on water. So here's the thing. God doesn't always give us the details. Notice Moses. What did God say to Moses? But essentially, when God worked through his life, he said, go. Go, Moses. <laughs> what did he say to Abraham? He gave, he gave Abraham basically the same information. He said, Abraham, go. Oh, and I'll give you a little bit more to the land that I will show you. Like, what? Hello, that's ridiculous. Go to the land that I will show you. Just start walking, Abe. And as you walk, then I'll show you. Not the other way around. See, what we want is the other way around. God, tell me the details and I'll start walking. God says, no, start walking and then I'll make your path straight. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 7. Trust in me with all your heart. Lean on my, not your understanding, not mine, but yours. And if you acknowledge me, I'll make your path straight. That's what Scripture says to us. So maybe for you, it's, it's, it's like a one word that God gave Moses. Go or Peter, come. Maybe for you and your marriage, maybe your marriage is struggling right now. Maybe God's saying stay. Maybe he's not saying go. Maybe he's saying stick it out, work it out, stay in it, fight for it. Maybe that's a word for you here today. It's raining out. You, you came because you were supposed to be here. Maybe it's stick it out. Maybe your health is terrible. And maybe God's right now in the midst of your hurt. Maybe your fears. Maybe you're like, I have no idea how to make it tomorrow. Maybe God's saying trust. Maybe you got a phenomenal idea and everyone's like, ah, you're, yeah, you are always got an idea. Yeah, it's just your personality. You're just like one of those like, you know, ENFPs and you're just like, you know, all over the place and you go with your gut and you go with your feelings and you got an idea. Maybe your idea, God's saying you start. Start it. Maybe you're not a starter, but you got an idea and God's like, start it anyways. I'll bring up the difference. Maybe you've been hanging around this church for a while and maybe you hear God saying, commit, hello. Maybe God's going, come on, go all in. Let's make a difference together. Maybe you are a future family. Maybe you, 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 you've not been able to figure the kid thing out. Maybe God's saying to you, adopt or foster. And maybe you need to hear God say that. I don't know. But maybe God's leading you and maybe that's the step you need to take. Maybe you're a single girl and you're dating a straight-up loser, and God has a word for you. Break up with the jerk. That's more than one word, all right? So whatever. So here's the thing. You don't, you don't have to understand fully to obey God 
immediately. We see it here in Scripture, all over Scripture. Second thought today, second principle is this. Those God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. Wow. No, that, that's not my great thought. I didn't dream up that. This is, this is where it is in Scripture. Those who uses, God uses the most are the ones who hold on the least. Let me show you Elijah, Elisha here. 1 Kings 19, 21. So Elisha left him and went back. This is so powerful. This is so crazy. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. All right, that's not so outstanding. That's not all that ridiculous, honestly. Because sacrifices were made all through Scripture, right? Right, we see that. God, you feel God move. God, God has Elijah show up, throws the, the yoke on him. Hurrah, hurrah. Most people would make sacrifices, right? Let's make a sacrifice. God, thank you. You showed up in my life. That happened all through the, whole, the Old Testament. That's not, that's, that, that's not huge for me, all right? Here's what's crazy. He took the yoke of oxen. He slaughtered them, and then he burns the plowing equipment. Now, if I'm this guy's parent, he comes back to the house. He wants to start burning all the equipment. I'm like, yo, yo, yo. No, no, no. I paid for that. Hold on just a, wait, just a minute. And I've got a daughter in college, and she's, she's me made over. And she's always got an idea. <laughs> she's, she's always, she's like big faith. God's going to take care of us. It's all good. Like how I remember being when I was younger. And now I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not the way to be. <laughs> no, no, no. Slow down. Let's process this. No, no, no. We're not burning. Not, we're not burning. We're not burning the equipment. Okay. We, okay, I know you feel like God said to you and you're supposed to go. Great. Let's hang on to this for later. Right? Let's reason. Let's be smart. But here's, here's what's crazy. He burns the equipment and he uses it to cook the meat he gives his people. So basically, this had like a big bonfire and cooked all his buddies steak. That's what's going on here. Right? Steak. Come on, everybody. We're having a steak dinner. Burn the plows. Killing the animals, burning the plows. Come on, I'm going to follow, follow God. And they ate it. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became what? Became his servant. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's like, it's like saying, I'm going to burn the plows. I'm going to kill the animals, burn the plows, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squash plan B so there is no longer a plan B. He, he's saying, I'm, I'm getting rid of plan B and I'm only, all I've got now is plan A. Which is like, sounds so unwise, right? I mean, every year, I'm thinking about it's raining right now. Every year we talk about a, we're talk, we talk about a contingency plan for Easter because what if it rains? But what if God wants us to act in faith when he leads? What if, what if like this story that God, as he's leading you and he's been maybe pricking your heart and you don't have all the answers and he's going, that's great, that's cool, that's exactly where I want you to be. Maybe God wants us to get to the place where we say, hey, I'm going to burn my options so I'm going to follow God and I got nothing else but him. Can you imagine what that would feel like if God was leading you to do something that he really, really wanted for you to do? 
Think about it this way. Think about him really wanting you to, to, to do something and you didn't do it. What would that be like? Maybe you're there now. I can explain to you what it feels like. I've been there. It's like, God, where are you? I feel empty. I don't feel like I got a purpose. I feel like my spiritual life is dead. I feel like I, I just, I'm all alone. That's what that feels like. But following God is scary. It's audacious. But it's one of these moments in time and experiences as you're following Him that you recognize, I'm scared. I need God. And because I need Him, man, it's not that all of a sudden He just showed up because I needed Him. He was always there, but now I recognize He's there. You tracking? So I'm not saying go to work tomorrow, tell your boss, forget you, and go burn the coffee machine. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying if you feel like God is leading you, take, take notice of this guy. He burns plan B. And he goes, plow's gone, animal's gone. I'm going all in for God. And this guy goes on, and in, 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 in biblical recordings, there's more miracles, more God activity in this guy's story other than Jesus. Why? Because he walked with God when God said go. Didn't have all the answers. He, he, he was an ordinary guy, wasn't doing it all right, I guarantee you. Nobody can plow and, and smell stink and not experience monotony and frustration. Everybody's in it. He's an ordinary guy. But here's the thing. When God leads you, you go. I remember um, a guy I knew who was a big franchise guy. Had a lot of franchises. Tons and tons of franchises. Uh, and his son was, was just a couple years older than I was. And his son was like, I hate, I don't want to do the business. I don't want to be in the franchise business. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a coach. And his dad was like, hey, you know, son, this is, that's great. You can do that later on in life, but let's do, do this. Help me do this. You, you'll be set financially. Seemed like the right choice. He got in. And two years into it, he was like, dad, I hate it. I told you, I, I really, my passion is coaching. My passion is teaching. I love that. I, I feel on, I feel like I'm never closer to God than when he's using my gifts for the way that I, I believe that he made me to be. He got in teaching. He left, left the old business. Uh, and now fast forward 20, 20 some odd years later, he, he's like one of the best teachers, one of the best football coaches. And can I tell you, his marriage and his family and his walk with God is white hot because of a choice of following God. I, 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 got, a, I got another scenario here. I remember, not in this church, another church, when we uh, uh, lived in Atlanta, I had a, had a great, great family that we loved, that they were, they were engaged, they were involved, our, our kids hung out with their kids, and uh, man, I, I loved this guy, he was fun, he's adventurous, my kind of guy, and he happened to have a lake house and a boat, so we'd hang out with him sometimes, but I always noticed, never said anything to him, but I always noticed like from like May to like early September, we'd never see him again. We're like, ah, they're at the lake. They're hanging out at the lake, having a good time at the lake. And I never said anything to him because, I mean, I have nothing against lake people. I like lake people. And if you have a lake house here and a boat, just invite me once or twice a year. We're good. All right. So 
uh, th- this may not be for you, but for him, there, there came a day where his young nine-year-old daughter said, Dad, it doesn't seem like we, we love Jesus all that much for half the year and then half the year we do. He said, Dad, how come we, we quit, quit God, quit church? He's like, no, we don't quit God. We still love God. We're just doing this. And for him, man, that, that just weighed on him. And it just, some of you guys live on the lake. I just remember that. So, that for, you know, you can just disregard this if it doesn't mean anything to you. But here's the thing. For him, this guy, this guy, this nine-year-old daughter said that. And he goes, you know what? I, I want to raise my kids where we, we, I model to them that God's number one, nothing's number two, and he sold his lake house, sold his boats. And I was like, dude, why did you do that for a stupid decision? I don't have nowhere else to go, right? <laughs> I got another friend who, for years and years and years, man, he was just, he, he was beat up by, by, by porn addiction. And, and, you know, it's just so accessible on the computer and whatnot. And so finally he's like, hey, I got to beat this. It's going to destroy me. And so I remember him doing all the, you know, X-Watch and all the, covenant eyes and all that and really got things under check and was winning, 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 winning for, for a few years, several years actually. And then all of a sudden new, the new smartphones came out and man, he lost and lost and lost and lost. And finally he's like, I can't lose. I got I to make the switch. So he's like, I hate my flip phone. I feel like, you know, like Captain Kirk beam me up, spot, you know, Scotty, everywhere I go, it's embarrassing. He goes, as much as I hate the dang flip phone, I love my purity, and so does my wife. So here's the thing. You, you, either, you either follow God, and, and it sometimes looks like burning plows, or you don't. But if you choose to ignore God's voice, or just be timid, or just lay back, or lay low, or don't act, or just make excuses, that's okay, you can do that. But you'll be in the percentage of people who will say, I don't know what it's like to experience God. I don't know what it's like to like fully feel engaged with following God by faith. You'll be a part of the crowd that just says, man, I would love to look like that and be like, you know what? I may not look like I have it all, but man, walking with Jesus is incredible. Here's the thing. When you follow with God, you, you follow Him, you don't lose. You don't lose. You win. When you're following God and you're saying yes to the small amount of details that you may have, you win. Because there's nothing greater than His power made perfect in your weakness. And that's what happens. When you step out into like the great unknown, like I... If the lights went out and I had to jump off this, I'd be like, uh, it's two foot, but I'm scared right now because I can't see the ground. But when you say yes to Jesus, you, 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 you get to experience like Peter. I'm not saying we're going to walk on water. But Peter stepped out, walked on water. Because he's human, he like looked around and got scared because the wind and the waves, he sunk. But who was there to lift him up and help him? Jesus. Who is closer to Jesus? The guys in the boat, comfortably, not in the water? Or Peter who said, wow, the great I am just lifted me out of my mess. I'd rather walk with Jesus and not know the future because he does. Then the flip side 
of saying no or squandering it or letting it go and not following and be distant from God because he didn't leave, I left. So here's our choice today. Either we follow or we don't. And my hope is that if God is provoking, leading, challenging, you say yes. You, you, you let go of plan B. You burn, not the bridge, but you, bl- you, you burn the plan. And you go with plan A, Jesus, every time. Plan A, Jesus. White, hot, plow, burning, ridiculous faith. Let's go. Pray with me. God, I just ask that today that you would, you would do a work in our hearts. And for those of us who might be sensing you doing something, God, I pray that today would be what pushes us over the edge to say yes. Jesus, we submit to you. We know that you love us, and we're saying that we'd rather be with you than not. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for you inviting us to go with you to follow. In your name I pray, amen. All right, God held the rain off so we could hear each other a little bit better. I invite you to go ahead and stand up. We're going to close with the song. This last song, holy plow burning music right now, all right? So worship with us. We're going to pass around some buckets. Um, hey, if God, God ministers to your heart and you want to be crazy, ridiculous, generous today and God tells you to do that, I'm okay with that. Okay with that. My prayer is that God would use us, our church, to change this city and change the world for Him. God, use us right now to change somebody else's forever. Amen.